too too hot in Dubai for the summer. So uh, I'm in Spain uh, keeping cool. Nice, man. Yeah, I went to Dubai in 2021. I think it was July. And I get out oh, the airport. Man. Dude, I, I, I walked out the airport. I thought there was a fire behind me. I kid you not. It was so freaking hot. How do you do it? Well, I, that, that's why I'm in Spain. I mean, we normally leave Dubai probably the middle of May, end of April, big, mid, middle of May. But this year, I, I just had a new baby about 12 weeks ago. I saw uh, that. And, yeah. Thank you very much. And she didn't have a passport uh, until I think she got a passport on something like the fucking 12th of, Ju- 12th of June. Um, so we've been waiting for it to come. And we got the passport literally three days later on, on, on the plane. And out there. it's the hot, hottest it's been. I mean, it's like in nuts nuts what's your let me ask you this what's your favorite part uh favorite thing about dubai you know what i always i feel like i do the pr for dubai uh i think for me i just to start back to the conversation i went there by accident i'd, I'd never i'd never been never been there before uh, i'd always heard good things about it but i went on a holiday uh, an eight-day holiday in covid and never came back just because you know the the, the eight days while well, i would have flown back into lockdown fuck it you know eight days i might as well do a week may as well do a month you know two months uh and then and this kind of stayed there met a girl and uh and and you know bought a house and really never came back uh, i mean all my business is still in the uk my staff and everything are there and i just i just kind of work remotely but um but what do i like about it i mean look other than the obvious tax-free and sun uh i mean the the opportunity there is is immense you know whether you're a personal trainer a massage therapist or, or you know a ceo or an investor you know the op- opportunity is enormous uh you know the, the caliber the caliber of people there i mean you know you, you're talking i mean multi-millionaires by the bucket load yeah if you know then billionaires and, and ceos and inspiring people um yeah it's clean it's safe there's there's everything you, you know i mean i'm a i'm a bit of a lazy guy as well when it comes to like you know getting shit done I did an app for everything. I can sit. I can sit at home and work all day. Press a button and cinnamon arrives. Press a you know, press a button and the fucking shopping arrives. I mean, you, you never go to the supermarket. You don't. Everything just runs on that runs on an app. So, with a lot of reasons, but I love the place. Yeah, Dubai is really cool. Dubai is a really cool. And the uh, the man made island they got over there. I, I think I stayed yeah. at the uh, the um, Jumurai Palm. I think it was called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the one of the newer uh, resorts over there, and it was incre- immaculate. It was incredible. It was, it was a time of my life, man. And I wanna I wanna thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hop on the podcast today. Uh, a little bit no about the podcast, yeah, man. This is the the Live Better Now podcast. On this podcast, we talk about personal growth, self development, health and wellness, how we can be better people for ourselves, for our partners, for our family, and for the world. And uh, I wanted to get you on the podcast because you got a really interesting story. It's a uh, I want to call it a comeback story, right? Rose to the top, fell to the bottom, right? 2008 was a really tough year for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, the credit crunch really hit you harder than most. It hit you harder than other people because you were so overlevered and, you know, you just had a lot of things spread out too thin and whatnot. But, um, you know, you, uh, you kept the grit, had a lot of perseverance. You knew what you wanted. You were clear on your values you have extremely great work ethic. I've been watching a lot of your YouTube videos and uh, had a great conversation with Carl Moon. That was pretty interesting. I saw that one. That was really cool. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, no, I just super, super interesting guy. And I like having conversations with inter- interesting people on the podcast. So uh, I want to thank you again for for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. Anytime, buddy. Anytime. I love these chats. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. So let's start from the beginning. 
So grew up and uh, started acquiring bars, and and is that is that how that all started? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of other stuff in the, in the meantime in there. I mean, look, I, I if I rewind to probably nine years old, ten years old, I mean, that's when I I kind of knew that I wanted uh, wanted a career in business, knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur, um, and you know, w- without um, w- without giving my age away, <laughs> and, you know, that was lo- long before the time when it was kind of cool and sexy to be an entrepreneur. You know, I just wanted to be a business owner because, quite frankly, I, I just wanted to be rich. And but you know, back you know back in the late '80s, early '90s. Uh, it was pretty much perceived that the only way to make big money was 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 to own your own business. Uh, my old man, he he had his own business as well, so I guess some of that entrepreneurialism from him is obviously rubbed off on me. And I spent my teenage years, you know, reading every book, reading every magazine I could get my hands on to do with business. I'd be buying and selling stuff in the markets. I'd be, you know, I was trying to squat on domain names in the beginning of the dot com. I mean, I I I'd do anything I could because I was just gagging to be rich, really. It was, uh, my, my, interject, but it was your friend who bought spicegirls.com that opened your eyes to this domain real estate. So it was, it was, a, it was a friend, well, kind of a friend of a friend, but I, I, I didn't know the guy and he bought spicegirls.com. I mean, this is showing how long ago this is now, because I mean, that whole concept is just inconceivable. This was like mid nineties, like 95, 96. Yeah. Yeah. 95, 96. And he, uh, he, he bought spicegirls.com. And, and and what he did with it originally was he he like rented space on there, so you could have had Zach at SpiceGirls dot com as an email address, and I don't know whatever you pay ten bucks a month or something. Um, and then and then ultimately he sold it for a, a six figure sum to the, to the management team. So I I, I thought, wow, well, what what a great idea. And but also, I mean, back then nobody had taken any names because people still just hadn't really got their head around it, and that, it wasn't like I was I was some visionary i just kind of saw this idea copied it and i was a big natalie and brunia fan at the time you know half because i liked the music and half because i i wanted to shag her so i <laughs> yeah so, so, uh-huh. I'm, so i'm thinking i, I googled natalie and brunia.com and that that was available natalie hyphen and was available and uk so i've i've paid my hundred pounds whatever it was to buy them all i thought happy days I'm going to be able to do the same as the Spice Girls guy did. I'm going to be able to make a load of money by selling it to her management team, but that's also going to mean that I'm going to get to meet Natalie as well, and I can use all the money I've made from her management team to spend on her and run, run, run off together into, into the sunset. Uh, unfortunately, her management team initially couldn't get their head around what I was offering, then they decided I was blackmailing them. I wanted nothing to do with it, um, and um, and I ended up selling it to a selling it to a fellow fan slash stalker for about I, I forget what I five hundred pounds a thousand pounds, but more than I bought it for anyway. So technically, I made a profit, uh, but unfortunately, I never got to meet that silly. Now, what did you learn from that? What did I? Learn? You, <laughs> you know were a teenager at the time, right? You were like 15, 16 years old. So, what did, what did you learn from that? You know, I've never been asked. I've never been asked that question before on on that on on that on that specific thing. Uh, I mean, I, what what did, what did I learn from that? I guess uh, if you, if you if you've only got if you've only got one uh, one potential person to sell something to, uh, you, your your uh, your, your, options are, your options are pretty limited. Which is, I guess, why in my head I was going to get a hundred grand and I'm really got about five hundred pounds. But it, it's, it's funny you said because turning that onto its inverse, I actually do talk about that a lot now. In terms of negotiation or, or or sales or anything anything it is you want to do, that I always say that the the, the money's made in the beginning and, and and the money's made by by the effort that you put in 
on on day one to have a big enough pipeline or anything. And I, you know, one of my YouTube videos, I tell the story about where I um, where I bought my apartment in Dubai. Uh, I, I think I paid one and a half million pounds for a place that was worth four million. Uh, and I and I did the same thing. I, you know, I have a boat where I paid forty percent of what of what this boat was worth. And people always say to me, "Oh my God, you're such an amazing negotiator." I say, "I don't think I am. Like you know, I, I don't have these the, these this clever pattern and 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 ways to like mind fuck people into giving me what they want. I simply decide what I want and put the effort in at the beginning to find enough people who could possibly sell it to me. So like, when I wanted my apartment, you know, I found multiple apartments that I was happy with. I wasn't emotionally attached. You know, when I found the boat I wanted, I went and offered on fifteen different. It was the same boat." Uh, you know, like the same model, but I offered 15 different people who were selling it half the price that they were asking for. Now, you know what? Every one of them could have told me to piss off, but if I'm asking 15 people for something, there's more chance of me getting a yes or a maybe from 15 than there is, than there is of one. And that's that's my strategy pretty much across the board, really, you know, and, and it's my advice to anyone else, you know, whether it's whether you're in sales or whether you're in purchasing, you know, th- th- there's always somebody who who's prepared to do what you want. But I, yeah, ultimately, you can't make someone do something they don't want to do. Uh, but you just you, you just have to find enough people who, uh, who 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 could be in the game. So simple. Instead of negotiating against one person, have that one person negotiate against other people, and that just drives the price down. Absolutely, because yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know if you if I want to if I don't want to sell you these iPods for for two hundred pounds, then I'm never going to sell you these iPods these AirPods for two hundred pounds. And you can you can harass me, and you can bother me, and you can tell me all the stuff in the world. But if I can afford or don't want to sell them for whatever reason, then you're never buying them. And uh, all, all, all you can do about it, rather than being disappointed, is go, is go and find somebody else who is. And I think, you know, um, your people just aren't prepared to put enough effort in at the beginning of the game. Right. Okay. So now after this experience selling this domain name, you know, you were in your late okay. teens, right? You loved <laughs> drinking and you loved women. So let's start a business around that, right? Was that the idea? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I did the previous three years. I'd been working in a in a, in a family business. It, it was a, a, a business making uniforms for, for security guards and bus drivers. It was a failing business, a business that my dad had invested in. Uh, that he uh, that after many weeks of me coming home from work and kind of slamming my hands on the table at dinner, saying, "Dad, you know, you, they're screwing you in this business. Uh, you know, please come up, come into work and do something about it." And he kind of turned around and said, look, I'm, I'm retired now. I just I just can't be bothered. He goes, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I just can't be bothered. Um, so he said, look, you go in there, do what you want with it. You can't make it any worse than they already have. And I went to the next day and ba- I basically fired everybody. Uh, st- start, started from scratch in a business. It's just, I didn't really know anything about it either. And I always say that it wasn't that I knew what I was doing and it wasn't so much that I knew what I needed to do. I just knew what not to do. And I knew that I could see that what everybody else was doing was, was, was the wrong thing to be doing. So uh, I, I, over the next three years, I I, you know, I learned how to recruit. I, you know, I learned how to how to, uh, to market, how to find our product niche. You know, I, I had to deal with the operations, of purchasing the. I mean, everything, everything that uh, you could possibly imagine. I had to learn, and I had to kind of learn in a bad way, really, because you know we didn't have any customers. You know, no one wanted to deal with us. Suppliers didn't want suppliers. Banks didn't want to fund us. Staff didn't want to come and work for us. Uh, and, and over the three years, I took that business from a three hundred thousand pound loss to a thirty thousand pound profit. I always say it's not it's not big numbers, uh, but it was just, it was just the principle that at 18, 19, 20 years old, uh, you know, I managed to turn that corner and, and learned every conceivable. Well, I'll, I'll rephrase it. I thought I learned every conceivable thing uh, that 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 that, uh, that that I could have done at the time. 
I, you know, I had more problems to deal with than most business owners have had in a lifetime, and I had it from the ages of 18 to 21. So I left there because I was, uh, you know, at that point, I felt I'd kind of done my time. It wasn't where I wanted to spend the rest of my life. Uh, I was bored. I, I prefer the cut and thrust of, of getting something done, of, you know, of having an idea and executing on it. You know, the, I guess like the entre- entrepreneurial spirit, you know, I'm not a long-term manager. And I knew I wanted to be in leisure. Um, didn't know why, uh, other than, or didn't have anything to qualify me to be in leisure, other than the fact that I like to drink and I love girls. So um, I decided I was going to open a bar or two. Uh, and that's what I did, you know, to, to, to varying degrees of success. I mean, they ticked over, they weren't amazing. But the reason I, I learned they weren't amazing was because we couldn't make enough money just from selling alcohol alone. You know, we needed ancillary income, whether that was promoters or DJs or food or whatever it may be. And in my personal life, I used to spend pretty much every night in the strip club at that time, uh, which, uh, which I decided qualified me to understand the strip club model. And they had what I was missing. You know, they weren't just selling alcohol; they were selling door. You know, the, the price of entry. They were they were they were taking a commission from the girls. They were taking a commission from the credit card transactions. I mean, they were taking a clip every which way you can. And I thought that is the business for me. This is the income stream I'm missing, and I get to work with naked girls every day. So, um, so yeah, 24 years old, I uh, I sold everything I had, which gave me just about enough money for the for the for the for the deposits on. On a building and to, to get the builders going, I begged, sell, steal, borrowed. You know, did, did everything possible to get that first club open. And we opened. I was, you know, I was, I was twenty four when it opened. Wow. Um, I think, yeah. And um, it, it, you know, we, we hit, we hit the ground running. I mean, listen, it was. I always say, you know, the right place at the right time. But I guess I'm probably just, uh, you know, a bit being a, being a little bit too humble about it. I mean, yes, it was a, was the right place at the right time. But 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 also. Um, you know, I, I had a very clear vision of what we wanted to deliver, and I wanted to take an industry that was, you know, that was very dirty. You know, excuse the pun. You know, it, it was owned, typically they were owned by gangsters, they were owned by drug dealers, they were owned by at best a rich guy who wanted to have a plaything, and they were never given serious. Uh, you know, they were never treated like a serious business. But I wanted to bring serious business principles into it, and um, uh, and, and 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 I guess you know, ignore the fact that it was a strip club. And that's what we did, and you know, we marketed it properly. We, you know, we we, we sold it properly. We treated the staff properly, um, and um, that first club was very successful. Uh, six months later, I had the chance to buy a failing Spearmint Rhino. Uh, you guys in the states, I'm sure you know Spearmint Rhino. I think Spearmint Rhino to the US is like Sunday roast to the um, to, to 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 the UK. Uh, but I, I knew the club very well because it was only down the road from my house and I, I, it was failing and I knew why it was failing. I knew why I could turn it around and I, I bought that about six months after I opened the first one. And that was really the start of my climb and for the next four or five years, you know, I learned how to borrow money and that, that was a that was a key thing for my kind of business empire at the time, you know, because I, I never had any money. You know, I, I, I learned how to borrow and it was a time of, of uh, I guess, prolific activity in the finance world. Uh, and, you know, I... I Became the biggest strip club operator in the UK. I, I had a chain of bar, uh, non-strip bars and pubs. I had restaurants, property portfolio, a massive, massive, you know, empire. Ultimately, a uh, eight-figure business, uh, living at large. I was twenty-five, six, seven, and then in you know, in, in June of two thousand and eight, the credit crunch was starting. My lenders were pulling back, and I guess my my house of cards, built on a bed of sand, started to crumble. And, uh, you know, one domino fell, they all fell. And within two months, three months later, 
uh, all of the businesses were gone and I was personally bankrupt. Right. So do you think it was um, you grew too fast? Like, wh where do you think the mistake? Because, you know, listen, you know, it's we, we can't take all the blame. 2008, tens of millions of people got crushed, if not more, right? It's all the people that are listening. If you don't know what the global financial crisis was in 2008, you can do your own research and learn a little bit more about it. But the lenders started pulling back, like you said, so they weren't giving you access to capital anymore. And everything you had coming in was just paying down debt, I assume. Is that how it all kind of just well, crumbled from there? I mean, the, 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 the problem was twofold. I mean, one, we had very high interest rates that we were paying. And secondly, we had very short capital repayment terms. So, you know, we were, we were, we were paying money over 24 months, 36 months. And, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, it's only really over the last six months, and particularly a few podcasts where I've been asked, looking back now what would i have done differently back then to uh you know to to to, to have a different outcome and i've thought about it long and hard and, and ultimately there wasn't really much i could have done because the the strip club the strip the strip club industry was was what we we call an industry of reputational risk so your mainstream banks don't want don't want to lend to it um, therefore, I had no choice but to borrow from the the niche lenders, the alternative lenders, you know, the guys with higher rates, shorter payback terms. Uh, and unfortunately, th those terms were just not, you know, they just couldn't be met. So, you know, the, you, what you could say is, well, I should have, I should have therefore borrowed from, uh, you know, from bigger banks, or I should have got equity investment. But because that wasn't available, I had no choice. So, really, ultimately, the only thing I could have done differently is not is is let's say planned better and therefore not entered that business so i think you know fortunately or unfortunately i just have to accept it was a period in my life where i couldn't have changed the ultimate outcome but i uh, I, I learned i learned many lessons along the yeah. way what was the biggest lesson you learned along the way biggest lesson i learned along, I, mean, I mean i, I think you know it, I, I, I mean i learned how to borrow money which was which was uh, ultimately, very, very beneficial for for where I was going. Because you know, the next chapter of my life was how to um, was how uh, was 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 lending money. So I, I always say I learned how to be a lender by being a borrower, uh, you know, and I learned how to how to take security and make sure that we don't we don't fuck up as a lender by by watching what happened to me and on, on what on what went wrong. Uh, I mean, like, you know, th th there was. I guess you know many many lessons along the way. I mean, you know, I guess one of the biggest lessons for me from the bankruptcy was that the bankruptcy didn't, you know, was not the end. It didn't it didn't need to be the end. Um, I mean, I was I had a lot of people around me at the time. Uh, it's a professional people, uh, you know, theoretically knowledgeable people who were all telling me that my life was finished. Uh, that you know, basically, 27, 28 years old, I'd never be in business again. I'd never have any credibility again. Um, and you know, and 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 I, I obviously didn't listen to these people, but it's funny because again, I get asked recently, well, you know, what gave you the knowledge to be able to look back at these people and know that you knew better and not listen to what they said and not take their advice? I said, well, honestly, I didn't have any different advice to them. I, I, I didn't know better than them. I just thought I don't like, I don't like what you're saying. I've got no choice. I, if I listen to you, then I accept that at 27, 28 years old, I'm finished. Or I don't listen to you. Okay, I don't have a different plan. My plan's get back to work and make some money. Uh, but I had, I, you know, I had no choice but to not listen to these people and go and go and go and try and find my yeah. own way. I, listen, I know this was uh, like uh, some years ago, but can you bring us back to where your mental health was at that time? 
Like you seem very optimistic. You seem very positive. You weren't going to let other people's opinions stop you from chasing your dreams. This is what you enjoy doing, regardless if the money was coming in or not. You were still around beautiful women. You were still around all the things that brought you happiness, right? Networking with people that you like to be around. But what was your mental health like when you filed for bankruptcy and you had no money in the bank and it was time to start all over again? I mean, I think my, my mental health was okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was, I was obviously stressed. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not as much as I will get stressed about things. I, I do tend to, tend to just kind of get my head, get my head down and deal with it. Um, you know, I've never, I've had ups and downs through, through my whole career, you know, insofar as I've had, I'll have periods of time where I've got money, periods of time where I haven't got money, you know, where I might have flashcards, not have flashcards. And, and that's, that stuff never never really bothered me. I don't I don't, I don't really have, have an ego about it. You know, I can I can I can happily drive in a Ferrari. I can drive in a Persia. I, I really I really don't give a shit. And you know, I, I, that's probably probably because because my, of my ego. Ultimately, you know, I think I think I think I think ultimately I I, I probably think I am I'm I'm above the Ferraris, above the Rolexes, or above the private jets. Yeah, yeah, I love them, but I still probably think I'm uh, yeah I'm probably wrong, but I, I still think I'm super super cool without them. Uh, so it, you know, it, it never, it never really bothered me. And also, just from a purely practical perspective, at the time I had a one-year-old daughter. Uh, yeah, I, I had, I had a wife, um, and you know, I, I had to put food on the table. I, I had to, had to pay the mortgage. Uh, I mean, I think you know, one thing I've always quite, you know, quite, kind of been clear of, which is a mistake that I always see a lot of men, other business owners make, is I've never allowed my personal relationships and my businesses to to, to mix you know in, insofar insofar as money but i always say look you know if, if you're if you're with me then you're with me you, you know you can enjoy enjoy whatever i've got but it's but it's what it's, it's my business you know don't tell me how to make a fucking business decision uh because you know it, it, it was never never your business in the first place so i do, I, I, I keep i keep the two things two things very very separate i think you know now i'm a lender now i'm an investor i see how, how many other business owners are I've fucked up on things where you know they where they they won't make decisions that they know are right for the business just because their wives won't let them. You know their wives are saying, "Well, you can't." Put, okay, we we agree that this business needs another two hundred fifty thousand pounds investment, but you're not putting that money in because that's money for our house to refurb or or, or, or whatever it is. So you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's never losing the money's never bothered me because I know I can yep. always make it back, you know, back again. But that doesn't mean I'm not stressed. Right. You know, right. Of course I get and that that's the character trait of of a true successful entrepreneur is you can lose it all and you know for a fact you'll get it back. So now it's 2009, right? You have to somewhat pivot. You got to get clear on where you're going from here. Walk us through what happened next. So um, I just I needed to start earning again, um, and I, I, all all I had to do at that point because obviously I burnt my bridges with my lenders, burnt my bridges with with, with investors. So all I really had was what I, whatever skill set I had had to monetize, and I'd accidentally become um, be, be, become a lender, um, and I'd become a lender or become a bit of a finance broker because I'd spent so much time borrowing money myself, and I'd I'd got lots of connections with lenders that people didn't know existed. So, you know, in my local area, I was the kind of go-to guy where it was like, you know, other business owners with 50 grand life, 100 grand life on a deal. And I was like, oh, let's call Matt because, you know, he, he, he knows these weird and wonderful lenders. So, um, you know, and that's what, that's what I did really. I, I, I went back one day, okay, you know, I probably had a week or two of dealing with the mess and answering the questions and 
handing over the assets, but then it was kind of go to bed, you know, one night, wake up the next day and, 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 and get back to work. And I, I got back to work at, as a finance broker. Uh, that was probably, I would mean, say, 2010, 2011, um, and, you know, and started broking. Ultimately, some of, some of my investors of old reapproached me, uh, and and they knew that you know yes I'd lost the money, but I had never done it maliciously. Uh, you know I think you know there's a there's a difference between fucking up and and setting out to defraud somebody, um, and and they kind of came back on and said, well you know we want to back you. What other projects have you got? And uh, and and that's when that's when I, st- I started lending again. So uh, I think when we put his first lent money in 2013, 2014. Initially, back then, I think my, my first lender, or sort of my first investor, gave me like a hundred grand, which obviously I've got to break that up into lots of little loans. So I think we probably had 20, you know, five grand loans, you know, 10, 10 grand loans. Next investor came on maybe with 250 grand. Uh, so we could do 10 grand loans and 15 grand loans. And um, and, and over the year, over the years that came, you know, we, we just, we, we raised more and more investment money which just gave us deeper pockets to be to be able to do bigger deals uh and you know if you look at where we're at now it's not it's not that the business has wildly changed it's just that our investors have got deeper pockets which allow it which allow us to do bigger deals and ultimately you know if you do bigger deals we tend to be more in control than if we're doing smaller deals you know i mean when someone wants to borrow five or ten grand you know the chances are they're either very desperate or you are a very small piece of a bigger of a bigger pie, and you know you you put if it goes wrong, you're going to get hurt. Whereas when you're lending, you know one million, two million, five million, the chances are that you know you can you can put yourself in a in a secure and prime position, uh, and that's that's where we've built ourselves up to over the last kind of seven or eight years. And I think where we differ as a lender, where we differ as an investor, uh, is that I always say, you know, as I said earlier, I was a borrower before I was a lender, and I was a business owner before before I was a business business funder. Um, so you know we we get to approach the businesses with a completely different set of eyes than most of the lenders or than most of the bank bankers would do because you know we've been there we've suffered those business problems and I I kind of realise or I, I understand and appreciate that it's not always just about the money it's about the support and the advice to get you know to go alongside it I mean a lot of the customers I see you know the money's the money wouldn't make anything you know, if they borrow more money today. All that's going to do is keep them afloat for another two or three months before they before they hit another another brick wall and need to, and need to need to borrow more money. Um, you know th- th- these guys need support. You know, I mean, some of these businesses just need put it putting down entirely. Um, but uh, and and, and we're, we're you know we kind of we approach it from a from a holistic view and and, and give give whatever support's necessary as, as well as look, looking yeah. to fund where so we it, can. So it really came down to uh, you knew the person that wanted to borrow money and you knew the person that was willing to lend the money. So you were just brokering the deal, kind of like networking. Did you say it was a form of networking? I mean, using your mouthpiece and using your connections to just put two people at the same table? Well, I'd I'd say, well, in the very beginning, it was broking. So you had to be matching the lender, lender with the borrower. As time's gone on, I effectively sit, sit sit in the middle as 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 the principal. So I borrow, I raise investment money on one side and I lend it on the other. But it's me. It's kind of my my head on the block and my my, my decisions in the middle. Um, but um, but yes, I mean, from bring the networking into it. Um, you know, mo- most of the borrowers and certainly all of the investors come 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 from uh, effectively a a, perm- a permanent. Um, commitment and approach and approach to networking. Yeah, good man. And then so I, I 
kind of to pivot a little bit oh. and uh, change the topic, I, I've been following you on Instagram and I've been watching a lot of the videos that uh, you post on YouTube. You had Tom Skinner on the on the show. How was that? What was that like? That was good fun. Did you did you know you know Tom? I, I actually I didn't know Tom before before he he was booked to come on the podcast. Uh, but what we're really really good guy actually. You know, we had a great conversation. Uh, and he's you know yes he's a character but he's a, he's he's a, a hard worker. He's got you know some very uh, very fundamental skills and principles that uh, you know I guess are, are kind of universally applicable. And I I I love to love to chat with him. Yeah. Love that man. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the show and uh, the brand that you're working on right now. So 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 the uh, the podcast started by accident, really. Um, I, I, I hope you can't. I don't know if you can hear my crying baby in the background. She's she, she's just uh, <laughs> she's just just walked back through the door. I think she's crying because she's not on camera. This is this is one of the few podcasts by Zoom I've done where she's not made a guest appearance. She 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 did she did her first podcast at two days old. So um, <laughs> I, 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 here she is. Here she is. Oh, hello. there she is. Say hello. <laughs> we're, we're, What's up? We're talking about networking. What do you think about networking? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, uh, so the question was: how, Where did the podcast come the from? Podcast. How the podcast came about? So the pod, the podcast started uh, four years ago, initially by accident. Because because I was just uh, I was just looking to create content. You know, I, I had some I had some smelly Google from uh, from from two thousand and eight, uh, and yeah, I was told that basically the, that the best way to get rid of old content was to was to put new content up. So and and it was honestly it was nothing more complicated than that at the beginning. We were doing Instagram, we were doing Twitter, we, we were we doing uh, we were doing you know TikTok back then, but did YouTube, um, and that's why the podcast started. But then I started to realize that having a podcast. You know, gave gave me a platform. You know, gave 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 me gave me some framing to be to be able to sit down with people that I, that I wouldn't normally get the chance to sit down with, um, and and you know, and that's and that's where we're at really, kind of four years on now. I mean, I've done well. I tell you, I think we're on one hundred and seventy audio episodes on 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 iTunes. So are we are we really? done, done more videos? And I, I I say, you know, if no one ever watches it or no one ever listens to it. I really don't care because what what the two main benefits for me in my business are a that it's got me to sit down with somebody who I wouldn't normally get the chance to sit down with, and b that when people who are looking to do business with Google me, podcasts come up, you know, and they see me sat down with certain people from from a credibility aspect, and you know, if they see me sat with a member of the British royal family or a CEO or or, or, or whatever it may be, it gives me that instant credibility. Look, obviously, I want people to watch. Obviously, I want people to listen to it, and and, and they do, and, and more more and more do. But I say to everybody, if, if I had to give you one single piece of advice, have a podcast because it, it, it gives you gives you so much reach. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I started the podcast back in August of 2020. And in the beginning, I just wanted to talk about personal growth, self-development, you know, my Ironman journey because I run at triathlons and things like that. And uh, as it's been going on and going on and going on, I'm starting to create relationships with some big dogs. And I'm like, okay, just had this guy who wrote a New York Times selling book on the podcast. Now this Ivy League professor wants to talk about consciousness and physiology. And then I'm getting bigger and bigger people on the podcast. I'm landing you on the podcast. It's like, it's such a great platform because you can have amazing conversations. You can publish the conversations and you can use it to network. And, uh, you know, as someone who consumes a lot of podcasts as well, you know, I listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, I want to recommend to all those people listening to check out 
the Matt Haycox Show podcast. And Haycox is spelled H-A-Y-C-O-X. Thanks. So Matt, what's uh what's on the short term goal setting plan agenda itinerary for you right now? What are you really focused on? So two t- t- two things. I am actually focused very very much on on the podcast and, and personal brand at the moment. Uh, I mean, it's always been it's always been there in the background, but you know we've we've started to put put some put some heavy effort into it. I mean, three months ago we launched an on, an online news portal. Uh, which has got you know daily daily uh, business news, not not about me, you know about business in general. At the minute, it's got particularly UK UK uh, spin on there. But I guess as our resource grows, then, then so will that. But but we're we're doing that a because I want to I want to build build a new audience of people looking to consume consume business media, which I can ultimately market other stuff to them. But also, you know, from a personal perspective, I, I don't like any mainstream media anymore. And 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 you know, the only Same. media I consume is alternative media. So so if I can if I can you know be a piece of that pie in some way, you know, it's something that I think will be profitable in the long term. But 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 Absolutely. also you know g- g- gives me gives me some pleasure. So we're working work, working heavy on that. Uh, and then from a business perspective, I'm I'm actually. I'm going to grow by doing less, and I don't, you know, one of my big mistakes over the last couple of years has just been taking on more and more and more, and taking it on at a rate that I just can't keep up with uh, in terms of bringing bringing high caliber people on around me. And 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 you know, I, I've been run ragged trying, to, you know, trying to I guess be in too many places at once, do, do, do too many things. We haven't been able to recruit at the pace we were, you know, well, we can recruit, but we can't recruit quality people at the pace that I wanted to. So I'm making a conscious effort to do nothing new for the, you know, nothing new certainly for the next 12 months, but just, just you know, very much grow, grow the team uh, and I'm, I'm betting what we've got. I mean, I've got businesses in so many different sectors. I mean, we have a banking platform, we have a finance business, we have a uh, an e-post company, we have a luxury fashion business, we have bars and clubs. So we've got we've got you know seven or eight different very very diverse sectors in there. Some of those I've got fantastic operating partners on who run them for me. And some of them I haven't, and it's the ones that I haven't that I really need to concentrate on because yeah, you know, I, I know where where my skill sets lie, and that is not running businesses day to day. I'm 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 great at raising money. I'm great at networking. I'm I'm, I'm pretty pretty good with the marketing and sprinkling the magic dust on there. But you know, me me being day to day having to run a business is, is not is not where I want to be. So I I'm I'm, just, I'm work, working hard to find find some good people in there. Good man. I love it. Well, some other school right there. I think she was she was trying to she was saying I'm spending I'm I'm spending a bit of time with her as well. That's what she was saying. Oh, oh that's good. <laughs> Very important. To all those people out there that are listening that want to connect with Matt, you can head over to Matt-Haycox.com. I'm also going to drop the link to his website, to his daily newsletter, to his Instagram handles, and all his socials so you connect with Matt. Um, obviously go ahead and check out the podcast, the Matt Haycock show, give it a follow, give it a review. And if you haven't already left a review on this podcast, please do so as well. We recommend five stars, but, uh, please go ahead and be honest, Matt, it was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Say, man, any last words for the listeners out there? Um, listen, I guess, um, you know, we talked about networking. We, 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 we talked about put, put, put in the effort in the beginning. I think, you know, for me, other other quick, you know, quick growth hacks and uh, areas of successful life are partnerships. You know, when, when, when I look back at, at my early twenties, I think one of, one of the mistakes I made was, was trying to trying to want to own own too much on my own. Uh, you know, and, and I, I, I very, I very much wanted to be, you know, the hundred percent shareholder, the king of the castle. Um, and you know, I've I've, le- I've learned the hard way 
that uh, you know what what's 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 the expression that you know we we can go we can go faster alone but we can go further together and uh, I, I think uh, you know and uh, any any big any big jumps I've made in my businesses in, uh, over the last kind of ten years I've been partnering up with people you know whether whether that's because they've got distribution or they've got capital or they've got you know, or they've got a skill set uh, so don't don't be afraid to give away a piece of the pie. Um, because you know it, it's you know an old adage, but it's obviously much better to have a bigger piece of a, a smaller piece of a bigger pie than a bigger piece of a smaller pie. And uh, you know that's I think that's probably a, a mistake I made in my early twenties. Yeah. Well, actually, one last follow up question on that. Yeah. What type of character traits do you look for in a person before partnering up with them, regardless of their capital or the access to distribution, etc.? I want people. I want people who are hardworking. Uh, I want people who are willing to learn. I think I think think that's that's one of the one of the biggest things for me. I mean, I've, I've got a, a personal, you know, kind of hatred of the fact that you know ninety nine percent of the people I seem to come across, you know, finish wanting to learn when they leave school. Whilst I finish wanting, to learn, they probably never even wanted to learn when 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 they were at school. Um, and 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 for me, for me, they're they're, they're the kind of key, key traits that you know I, I can back. Obviously, someone's got to have a good idea. But but they, but they've got to have the work ethic to to you know to work in it, and they've got to have the the desire to learn. Whether that's learning from me on the bits that I can bring to the table, or whether you know whether it's learning from other mentors or their staff, or going on courses or or or, or, or whatever it is, you know, they, they, they've got to they've got to be growing because ultimately, you know, if I'm backing someone who is a, a new business, a start of a business, they've got to understand that they don't know anything. Um, and uh, you know, coming coming with any any degree of arrogance is is going to is going to hamper hamper their success. And ultimately, I've learned that that's what yeah, that's what cost me money because every mistake I've ever made, every big amount of money I've ever lost, it's been lost with another person. You know, and that's you know that's obviously my poor character judgment at some point with those people. Uh, and you know, and I'm finding those right people is is just is a difficult, but b just absolutely integral, right. And it's uh, those people that have humility and operate operate from a beginner's mindset that they can understand and acknowledge. They're aware that they don't know everything. Those yeah, and, 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 and honesty, and honesty as well. You know, it's, it's not it's not it's, it's not an issue to make mistakes. You know, uh, it's it's a big issue to cover them up. It's also 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 an issue to be making the same mistakes again and again. But you know, we're, we're not learning unless we unless we're making mistakes, unless we try new things. Don't be afraid of it. You know, um, and, and 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 don't don't hide it. Love it, Matt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Obviously, Zach, you thanks your- for having us. You got Absolutely. two for one. You got three for one. She doesn't even charge two you. Two for one. I would say you, c- clearly you have your hands full right now. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a pleasure. Again, to all those people out there, go ahead and check out Matt Haycox. I'm going to drop all the links below in the show notes. You guys have a wonderful day. We'll see you guys on the next episode of the Live Better Now podcast. <laughs>